It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. We are live on KGR Digital Broadcasting, KGRA. Um, <laughs> Dan was late, so you can absolutely slate Dan in the chat. Advert, uh, all you know, breaking the fourth wall straight away here. So, welcome everyone to the show tonight. We are live, we are actually live. This is not recorded. I, I can't even prove how we're live, can I? There there's no way of me really doing that right now. I mean, I can, I'll, I'll hold the clock up. There you go. That's that's the time in the UK. So, we are <laughs> nice to do this live finally. It's good to see everyone in the chat as well. Thanks for everyone who's been coming on board the KGRA shows. Um, really excited to have you, uh, G West, long time listener, first time watcher. Um, listen, I have shaved, folks, so apologies. I look like this, but it is what it is. Um, Dan and Andy, yeah, you've lost so many carrots. years. Yeah, I, I look, I look young. Um, Hollywood dreams, let's go, fellas. Nigel, how we doing? Kyle, um, lots to talk about. It's been a very busy time in the world of UFOs. Very busy week. It's been a busy week. It's been busy days. There's a lot to catch up on. So this show is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about my interview with John Ramirez, ex-CIA officer, which just dropped today. We're going to talk about some of the Senate updates. And Dan is going to help me understand what exactly is going on uh, in the Senate right now. If I'm even getting that right, is it the Senate? Is it the Congress? It is the Senate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is we it? got we went through the Congress. That's what happened earlier kind of this cool. year. Hold, hold, because we'll get there. We'll sure. get there. Um, <laughs> I've got a short update from Gary Voorhees of UAPX uh, on what they're working on. Just now. We'll, we'll answer questions from the chat. We've got the live chat on the go. It's great to see everyone in there. And we've also got some questions from uh, that were left over from our part one with Lou Elizondo. Uh, and we're going to go through them because they're questions yeah. that we think we can't necessarily ask these to Lou because we're going to get the NDA or a really vague roundabout answer. So we're going to speculate on them instead. Um, but yeah, loads to get through. Uh, Dan, what's your week been like? Uh, busy watching a lot of the Senate stream, which I didn't know existed before this week. And now now apparently that's a thing I do. So <laughs> It sounds tragic. I, it, I it's, it's very like, dry. Yeah, there's a lot of silence. In the UK, we have got like the BBC parliamentary channel, which is very, very boring and dry. But yeah, well, you know, in the UK, everyone's always shouting at each other. It's certainly more dramatic over here. Um, but I mean, they, they're making progress over there. So, you know, as long as the work gets done. Nice. Well, listen, um, before that, we'll talk about the interview with John Ramirez. So that just dropped today. Dave Smethurst in the chat as well. Dell, hello, everyone. Hey, Justin. Um, so listen, yeah. Uh, I interviewed John Ramirez. He popped up with Sean Rash on Witness Citizen for a really cool interview. We then had uh, an interview with Jay from Project Unity, where he went through a slide talking about the inner workings of the intelligence community, which was really cool background. And uh, yeah, so then I managed to pick up John for what I think was about his third 
interview, which is uh, which was pretty cool. He was great to talk to, really generous with his time. And I'll be honest, the the thing for me in juggling this one, the the listener questions response was phenomenal. I had so many listener questions, emailed, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything, you know. And they're always such... so strong as well. They're hard yeah, to choose from, you know. That's really true. That we we struggle sometimes to we struggle every time to leave questions out. But with this, there was such a, a swing from nuts and bolts conversation to reptilians and you know cataclysms and the the pure speculation side of things as well. So it was it was a difficult one to kind of judge. I, I think from what people have said so far, I've managed to do that all right. Um, it was a really interesting conversation and there was so much more I could have spoke to him about, but had a, had a limited time, obviously, as well. Um, did you get a chance to listen, Dan, yet to any of part I one? did, yeah. Um, well, not just part one. Uh, I, I mean, oh, you yeah. know, pe- people obviously know I get a little behind the scenes because I, I edit stuff for you. Um, so that, that'll be going up on YouTube once part two goes up. Um, and it, it's fantastic. Uh, every, everything that's been spoken about so far um, goes a lot more in depth. Um, and there was, I, I don't know if I want to spoil it. There, there was, I really loved his answer to the James Webb telescope question because he went into some technical detail there that I actually didn't know. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like the James Webb stuff as well. And and I was surprised at the detail he went into with that. He's a, an intelligent gentleman. He knows his stuff. Very. And... It's one of those that I've always wondered. We've had Hubble up there, and Hubble's taken some incredible images. And I'm going to butcher what I want to say here, probably. But, you know, growing up, it was only in the recent years I've realized that almost every single picture or video I've seen of space is is computer-generated imagery. It's it's genuinely not real for almost everything that you see. You know, think about a couple of years back we got, maybe not even years back, it feels that long. not that long ago, we had a first picture of a black hole. Yeah. And that wasn't a picture like we think of a picture, uh, you, you know, putting a camera up there and just going snap and or doing a long exposure. You know, yeah. there was all sorts of technical ways that they did that. Um, and then the computer kind of compiled it. So you could even argue that the actual picture we have of a black hole is is computer-generated imagery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything prior to that, you know, black holes were pretty common knowledge, but no one had actually ever seen one. You, you might as well compare it to a ghost, you know? Matt said it was there, but eh, we don't really understand what it is. I, I don't yeah. think people quite appreciate that fact that it's uh, this big unknown. We we know some things about it, but we don't know what happens in, inside it or, you know, why it does what it does. It, it sounds like technologically here, we're going from a Nokia 3310 now to an iPhone Pro 13, uh, which is going to be a huge leap in technology in terms of what we can see. We are yeah. going to be pinpointing keyholes in the sky as it's been described and looking at those we're going to be able to to hopefully see planets in detail we're going to look back to is it 200 million years after the big bang um and you're going to see some incredible images justin hi andy well done for staying up um we're going to see some incredible images and we're hopefully going to be able to determine with these images the chemical composition of atmospheres and other planets which will hopefully allow us to determine very quickly as their life on these other planets and stuff as well. So um, yeah, absolutely it's exciting. Yeah. And the, the the part of it for me as well is whenever we build a tool, you know, I, I like to think of this as going from VHS, not just to DVD, not just for 4K, but to 8K. Like that's the jump. It's huge. It's a complete different use of technology. Yeah. You know, we're not even imaging in the same way anymore. Um, but 
we only built the James Webb telescope because we had tools before them that found things that made us realize we needed to build these new tools. So, you know, in 50 years, people are going to be inventing things because of the James Webb telescope that we can't even dream of today. And that's fascinating to me. There, there are these really subtle shifts through technology that, that really broaden our scope as, as a species. Yeah. I mean, I'll just ask you, Dan, it's something we could go on about. We've got a lot to talk about. Do you think the James Webb is going to instantly give us some spectacular results in terms of it's going to show some incredible images of the universe, but are we going to start to see images of, of alien life or anything like that? Or is that not what this is going to be about? I mean, who knows? No no one's expecting that. For, for one, I say you said immediately, not immediately, you know, it, it goes up in a month, I think. And then you're going to be looking at a while before they actually get the data together and compile it into something that can be shared. So probably about, you know, two, three months on that front, because um, there is massive amounts of data. Uh, but we could go from... I don't know, there's kind of a work list you can look up online and you can see the actual projects that they're going through. I'll post the links to my Twitter later. Um, so you can see how far away we're looking. And I think that's key because if we're looking super far away into a keyhole, obviously that's kind of tough. But if we you know, just look at say TRAPPIST-1 that's pretty close to us that we think is an Earth-like planet, we'll get a much better view of what's on its surface because it's closer to us. Um, so it's anyone's guess, you know, if there's a civilization out there that's pretty close we we might kind of accidentally sweep by and have our minds blown well say hi to ucr i'm guessing that's going to be lou uh, lou jimenez on the the chat there hi lou hi lou uh, just had um or luis i was lou luis, luis because of lou elizondo luis um, <laughs> lou they've just had uh, avi loeb on again great chat i managed to dip in and, out, in and out of that one as well i had an interview before this uh, broadcast as well and avi loeb obviously with project galileo wants telescopes again to look out into the solar system you've got the james webb which is going to look out and it just seems we've got this incredible search into the universe again for life but we're also having huge conversations yes we are live louise yep for a change um we we also are, have, yeah he's amazing uh, we're also <laughs> having these conversations that are these things here already what could be here so we have these two incredible extremes of the same conversation going on at the same time what do you think dan is more likely that we're going to get first something out there or, or something closer to home? Well, I've just got to back up here because someone just said something in the chat that is absolutely true. Uh, it sounded like when I was talking about the James Webb telescope a second ago that we would get photographs like we would think of like photographs at the park. That's yeah. not the case. What I was doing was jumping a little bit to think, wow, if there exists life in an infrared kind of frame on another planet and they've built a civilization, we will see that with this kind of technology. So yeah, it's it's really paradigm shifting sorry what was the question <laughs> do you think we're more likely having given the fact that we're looking out into the universe for life and we're looking here for life do you think that we're going to get the answers out there first or do you think we're going to find out more about what might already be here or closer to home i oh that's a really good question because right. even even if we you know got an image of something here it doesn't really tell us much about it Whereas if we take an image of whatever's in there at home, that tells us a lot more about it. Um, yeah. So I think it might be a little column A, a little column B. Awesome. Yeah, it's exciting though. It's 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 a huge opportunity next year, given what we're about to move on and talk about as well with the Senate updates, that we've got a lot of different fights and a lot of different fronts. 
Um, and hopefully at one point they become less of a fight as well. That would be great and, and more of a collaboration with everyone else. So, so yeah, listen, um, Senate updates, Dan, my head is spinning with this. And I, I'd love to see people's thoughts in the chat as well here um, on this because... I come to you for all this stuff. I'm seeing the updates online. Um, D. Dean Johnson has been fantastic. Can, can I can I just pause you just just because someone just put something in the chat and and maybe think of something? Uh, cool. They said, "Let's hope." Uh, in fact, oh no, I can't pull up. Lord, Lord Bass said, "Let's hope James Webb Telescope doesn't need a mirror replacement before it can take clear images like Hubble." So what happened with the Hubble is that its focus was off, and they couldn't correct it. They had to send people up to correct it. With the James Webb Telescope, they've thought of this. Each mirror has its own servo that can focus the mirror. So if they do have the same error, they can fix it like that this time. It's very cool. Awesome. Yeah, no, cool. Thanks for that. Yeah, I can put the questions on for you, Dan. We'll get that sorted oh, for nice. next time. Uh, we'll give Dan a bit more power if he's on time for the next one. Uh, <laughs> uh, with the So like I was saying, D. Dean Johnson, fantastic at keeping us up to date with the Senate progress, Congress, all the political stuff that I just, my head spins with it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, Jazz Shaw has been fantastic with that as well. Dan, you have been brushing up this week on your political uh, tweets and keeping us up to date. What is going on? What what has got us to this point for a start, if you can kind of summarize that? So first first thing I'd say is that I'd advise everyone to go to the Cong Congress website. Um, I think it's congress.gov. Um, you can basically, if you sign up for an account, you can put in a search term and you can follow certain bills. Um, so this week, I basically took the time to set up all the search terms. Um, and now I get notified when anything with UAP happens or unidentified aerial phenomena because you have to you know, you use certain terms. Um, and there's also a daily congressional record that gets published. And it tells you everything that kind of happened the previous day. And that's where the amendments have been published. Um, so every day I've kind of been on antenna hooks waiting for the congressional record to come out so I could see and compare the language. Um, it, it's really cool website and you should absolutely use it because it's there for, for us to follow along, I guess. Um, but yeah, so... Ooh, which start? So we basically had two bills. Um, one that came down, as I like to say, one set of train tracks, and one that came down another set of train track. Uh, the one we're looking at now, sorry, let me back up. Um, the earlier bill was S2610. Um, that later became HR5412. That came from the Senate Intelligence Committee. That was the first thing we heard about after the UAP task force preliminary report came out. Yeah. Then later on from uh, from left field came HR 350, which is the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, Ruben Gallagher put some amended language into that um, that had to do with some biological effects, but it wasn't, you know, extensive language. It was yeah. just, I remember... In the community we were all shocked to see that biological aspect in there because we all wanted that in there um and then since then a number of amendments have been tabled um this week we've gone from sa4281 to 4593 to 4737 to 4810 so it's been a very very busy week for senator uh, gillibrand um and no doubt everyone else there because marco rubio sponsors it now uh, we also had a few other co-sponsors, um, Roy, Senator Roy Blunt, Senator Lindsey Graham too. Um, so it's really getting a lot of bipartisan support. Um, and what's going to happen with these 
is at the moment in the Senate, they, they're adjourned and they'll come back Tuesday and they're going to be talking about the NDAA. That is the Gallego language um, that he put in there. So if the NDAA gets passed, that's the language that goes through. Now, it doesn't become law until the president signs it. And until then, you have various committees that can kind of talk about things and work things out. And it's likely that it's in those committees that Senate's Gillibrand's amendments will be pulled into the main language before it goes on to the desk of the president. Basically, we have about five different trains on five different train tracks now, which is great, considering we had zero a few years ago back. And we've got to load all the cargo onto a single train. That's where we are right now. Where do you think it's going? To, I'm not going to lie. I find a lot of that really boring, the political side of things. And it's when you look at it as I'm interested in one specific thing in terms of the language of UFOs, UAP on these bills. But it's lumped in as part of a huge defense act. And yeah, I think that's, that's right. one thing when you come in like myself from the outside and you look and go, oh, they're not just discussing UFOs. They're discussing all this other stuff. And this is in there as well. And like yeah, I that's said right. to you, we've got the UAP media group chat that we have and everyone was excited to hear it brought up. And I think I seen it mentioned that I made the point. It almost sounds like we don't want this to have any attention or unwanted attention. We just want it to pass through as part yeah, of the bill nice. and just and just get there. And as much as we like it to be shouted about and, and hear the language and hear it talked about on those kind of live streams politically, it's almost better that that doesn't happen and we just get this through for for the progress to be made further on is that fair enough yeah absolutely and i'd say if it goes through without contention and discussion as well like if everyone just agrees on it that speaks volumes to me absolute volumes <laughs> everyone argues over you, you know watching the senate stream this week people argue over the smallest details and everyone argues you know with passion and conviction everyone you, you know is is there to do a job but to see no one bring up and have an issue with the UAP language for me was, you know, or so far not bringing up anyway, for me, for me was astounding. You know, it's almost historical. And there was one moment where uh, Bernie Sanders quoted the Eisenhower speech about the military industrial complex. And I know a lot mm -hmm. of people connect that with UFOs. And I just thought that was a, a nice little synchronous moment. Uh, listen, Nigel brings up a good point. Okay. Um, loves the Brits and in support of the Gillibrand amendment. Uh, yes. But we've got bugger all going on in the UK Parliament. Uh, and recently, I don't know if Nigel, if you saw this or anyone else, but there was a brief discussion with a few of our politicians here in the UK. Uh, our politicians in the UK aren't as famous. The discussion's not necessarily as sexy as it looks like in the US. Um, it's just it's quite boring and not many people pay attention to that kind of side of politics over here. So the 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 conversation was had with a bit of a tongue in cheek, wasn't it? And it was, was it Baroness Goldie, I believe it was yeah, put forward right. to, was one of the names. And one of the gentlemen put forward the notion that, look what's happening in the US. The conversation about UFOs is being had. And, you know, is it something we're interested in? And essentially, it was traditionally poo-pooed. It was laughed. It was scoffed at. No, we're not doing it. Yeah, it's, it's not something we have an interest in. And it was very much the flying saucers, little green men, no interest to us here in the UK. Let's move on. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so yeah, Nigel, we, we feel your frustration. Um, we, we've got the group UAP Media UK, which I hope everyone gives a follow online, even just sharing and helping. You look at what, what UCR do with the big phone home. We, we are nowhere near something like that in the UK. That would fall flat on its face because there's no appetite for that conversation. We need a catalyst to happen here. 
for the mainstream, the general public, for, for journalists to pick it up. Um, as part of UAP Media, the, the guys there, Adam Goldsack, Graham Rendo, Dave Partridge, Vinnie Adams, Dan, and then myself, you know, we're trying to engage with other figures. We're talking to journalists here in the UK, trying to get them to write serious articles about it, um, trying to get some proper quotes in there, trying to get them to stop using some of the more out there names they go to in the UK, describing people as alien hunters. Uh, I've made a point and I've said this to the group that I don't want as referred to as alien hunters or anything like that in any articles. It really, really annoys me. So again, it's just trying to change little, little bits and pieces at a time. Um, but it's a bit of a slog. But it's been great to see recently some people online sharing that they're still writing um, to their local politicians, writing yeah. to their MPs. And it's probably better in the UK and has more of an impact that they're writing rather than emailing or, or telephoning. There's the extra expense that comes with buying an envelope and a stamp and everything. But if they go to uapmedia.uk, there's templates and stuff online there which they can follow just to try and get a little bit of momentum going. We're, we're a ways behind the US, but I think the more this carries on that wave of momentum that's happening right now, the, the harder it's going to be for it to be avoided and neglected as a conversation here in the UK. Yeah, 100%. The... I don't think I'm spoiling it. I'll just say one thing from the the interview with John. Uh, it surprised me to hear that the US has an agreement with the UK that they do not take satellite images of the UK because they don't take satellite images of their allies. Whether that's one of those things that they do on the, on the sneaky, um, I don't know. But I thought that was interesting because it means that, you, you know, the UK has pushed recently to have its own kind of satellites up there. Um, and it hasn't gone especially well. So I'd wonder what success rate we'd have of getting any kind of imagery of UAP through satellite imagery. Um, I imagine the US's capabilities are tip top and probably, you, you know, in one of those 2015 encounters within seconds, they probably had, you, you know, yeah. satellites overhead. I, I do not believe for a second that just because the US has said they would not uh, use their satellites to image image process on the UK or take pictures, of course they do. They I, all do it to each other as well. Am I right in saying that they, they weren't necessarily meant to have uh, nuclear material near Rendlesham or at Rendlesham too? Yeah. yeah. We know all this kind of stuff goes on as well, don't we? It's um, But it's looking positive. Uh, I think the with the Senate, Dan, things have been adjourned until, what, Tuesday, I think I read was the last until update. Until Tuesday, right? yeah. Um, and when they come back, like I say, they'll be discussing the NDAA, so you can tune in and watch that if you want to. The UAP issue might come up. If it does, that will be an absolute historic first. But like I said, and like you said, it'll be better if it kind of just goes through. Um, because then that just means that everyone's in agreement about what needs to be done, which is which is great. Um, I recommend everyone go read it. It's not that long language wise, like two A four pages. Um, but the main thing of today's one is that they changed the name of the office, so it's no longer the Anomaly Surveillance and Resolution Office. It's now the Anomaly Surveillance Tracking and Resolution Office, um, which gives it the acronym Astro, which I thought was very fitting. Which sounds better than Asro, because if I say that really quickly, that can sound like a British slang offensive word. So, yeah, Asro. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's looking good, and we'll keep people up to date with that one as well. Uh, thanks for the, the breakdown on that one, Dan. Hi to everyone else who's joined in, in the chat. I've seen Alison come in, um, American Road Warrior. Hi, uh, Red Panda Koala, who is coming on the podcast soon. We've got a date booked in for that. 
I will be announcing all the, the interviews upcoming soon. I've actually not said yet, but we've got Michael Mataluni uh, from UCR, who's going to be coming on the podcast as well pretty soon. Um, who else have I booked in? I've got, oh, let me tell you, let me tell you. Here, here's I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, so <laughs> I just... I don't even think Dan knows them all yet either. No, so probably not. we have uh, Michael Mataluni is coming up really soon. Red Panda Koala. Uh, I've got Mary Rodwell coming on to discuss the multidimensionals uh, documentary that's coming out. Frank Milburn uh, and Dr. Michael Masters all coming up in the next kind of month or so. Uh, and then one or two more to round off the year as well. So it's busy and we're being kept going, but it's it's getting there. We're, uh, we're constantly interviewing and everything else as well. So uh, thanks, Justin, for, for putting the channel up there too. Listen, we had a, an update from Gary Voorhees. I recommend when we're talking about uh, subbing to people's YouTube channels, we are really grateful for everyone who does to ours, uh, That UFO Podcast. You've got uh, Unidentified Celebrity Review. You've got Project Unity. And there's all these channels producing content. One of the organizations who is out there doing work as well that has been a bit quiet, but they are working away in the background, is UAPX. Uh, that is headed up by Gary Voorhees and, and his colleagues over there. There's a lot of people involved. Um, I asked Gary to give us a quick update. Um, he is looking to do more lives and more updates as well, but they need more YouTube followers on his private channel. So if you check out Gary Voorhees, uh, we'll, we'll get the link for that as well. If, if Dan, could you find that for us? Um, we'll get uh, Gary yeah. Voorhees' YouTube channel. But I asked Gary what was happening with UAPX because that's one of these independent organizations that wants to study this scientifically. And really interesting, a lot of these gents have that military background as well. Um, so Gary said they, they are working hard in post-production on their documentary and they are knee-deep in four-plus terabytes of data from their first expedition. So there'll be some interesting things hopefully to come from that. I was going to say unpopular, but divisive character Stephen Greenstreet. I interviewed Stephen and, and Stephen's a good guy. He's just been enjoying winding people up too much, I think. Um, and it's taken a bit of a break, it seems. I don't know what happened there, but I, I don't start fights with people online. But I know a lot of people were unhappy with Stephen's attitude and the way he was talking about things. But I interviewed Stephen about two months ago. And at the time, he said he had spent a day with UAPX and saw something from them that really... Uh, renewed his interest and sparked his interest again in the ufo subject and i asked him what was it and eventually he said he saw something that wasn't pixelated so it sounds like uapx with their expedition with their equipment is hopefully managing to get some images some clear images of some ufos which would be fantastic Again, I think that's always going to be debatable as to what is a good or clear image. Um, and again, you could also get the, well, why don't they just release it just now? Let's wait and see what comes out. And especially if they're going to put it in, into a documentary, it would be interesting to see what comes of that as well. Um, something that gets labelled at a lot of documentaries that come out is there's a lack of new evidence or new footage. Well, if it was really that good, it would probably get released. But let's wait and see what, what UAPX do. What are your thoughts on organizations like UAPX, Dan? I mean, they're, they're on the frontier right now, right? Like in terms of, you asked earlier, you know, are we going to find something out there or here? Out there, that's the James Webb Telescope. That's Lisa. That's the, you know, the, the Vera Rubin Observatory. Here, we've got Project Galileo. We've got UAPX. We've got UAP data. There, I'm not even off one hand there counting them. You, you know, we, we need we need more organizations like this. We need to support the ones we have. 
Um, you, you know, they might not be perfect, but like I said earlier, we need to figure out what tools we need to build to crack this case because we currently don't have them. Let, let me ask you on that. So you've just said there, you're, you're counting on one hand, we need more. Right now, though, does that spread the the money and the funding too thin? That if we have 10 organizations all trying to get UFO images or scientific data or whatever it may be, do investors have too much to choose from? And it's or are we better having just a couple of organizations that all work together? I, I think this is why you're seeing that um, Project Galileo's research affiliates list grow because all of these groups have knowledge that each other needs. And we're not going to do like the government did and stovepipe everything. We're going to, you, you know, kind of sci science is about having access to the data. And it seems like they're, they're kind of setting off on the right foot in, in that way to me. It's one I keep an eye on, and Gary is a great guy. He he has um I had one of his early interviews when I had my first interview on the podcast was Gary Voorhees, um and I really think his his heart's in the right place with us as well. Uh, I do wish them all the very best. So so best of luck with UAPX. Thank you to Gary. Make sure people you've checked out Gary Voorhees's YouTube channel. Make sure you follow UAPX on Twitter as well or your social media platforms just to keep up to date with them too. Uh, listen, we're going to get up. Oh, There's Ooh, Jazz. I did mention well. Sky Three Six as well they yeah. that okay. that's the new name for skyhub basically yeah i was actually being asked about skyhub by a listener the other day and had it gone away and no skyhub didn't go away the 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 members of skyhub basically had a lot of time like many folks did during covid hey, when everyone was stuck at home and people weren't working and um as COVID, God, let's not get into that conversation about COVID is going away because it's not. <laughs> but as as people have gone back to work and the normality is coming back into people's lives, all the guys at Skyhub found they had less time to invest in, in Skyhub. So very mutually, it went their separate ways. Um, but uh, Steve McDaniel and some others are working on various different projects. Uh, and you've mentioned there, Dan, do you know much more about um, Sky360? Well, you can go to the website. Um, I'm fairly sure it's just sky360.com. Um, it's all there. Uh, you, you can see that they... Uh, actually, the best thing to do is... I'll have to post a link on my Twitter later because I'm not... Gonna, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. They, yeah. they have a YouTube channel and they did actually do a, a launch kind of conversation where they spoke about early goals and things like that. Um, so, like I say, it's pretty much Skyhub. They're hitting the ground running. They're a great bunch of guys. Um, I can't share too much just because I speak to Rich, who who kind of, you know, seems seems to do a lot of the day to day. Um, Here he goes. Here he goes. Uh, they they might be. I'm doing some graphics work for them, um, so I just don't want to, you know, spill too much. But they they're alive. They're kicking. They're coming back stronger than ever. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do. Hi to Kim, who's just joined in. Kim is one of the original patrons of the podcast way back at the start. Kim is one of the originals. I think when I was looking and going, wow, five people listened today. I think Kim was one of those. So thanks to Kim for, for sticking with us this whole time. Um, just in the middle of things, before we move on to questions, just as an update, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. Um, we're also now available on Spotify. It's like $1.99 or $2, $3, and you get access to the bonus content, the premium content, 
and early access as well. You don't have to listen to me talk about advertisers or sponsors. You just have to search That UFO Podcast Premium, and it's on Apple too with a two-week free trial. So, um, yeah, any support is absolutely welcomed. And uh, do you know what? I'll, I'll just mention this quickly. Like, uh, again, I saw I saw Louis Lou on UCR had to had to mention, and, and I felt that he, he didn't have to do it and justify why people were supporting him and why people choose to support any content creator. It's people do this and it, we give up a lot of our time to do it and all that kind of stuff. So if you can, it, that's why people like Luis uh, and us have Patreon and all those kind of services, then do it. But it's difficult times for people. And if you can't, like like Lou said on his show as well, we're not going anywhere. This is still here free. It's just there's various different ways to support. But it's always appreciated when people can support any content creators, however they can, because we've got jobs and families and everything else that goes along with it so thank you for sticking around and just even being here to watch this is, is massively massively appreciated so make sure you like subscribe share leave reviews for your favorite podcasts favorite creators and just interact because uh the the my favorite thing with having this show done is when people email which is always amazing for me or, or or dm me to say hi thanks love the show and and tell us a little bit about themselves so that's always very much appreciated and awesome um sure but listen, we are going to go on to some questions. If anyone has some questions in the chat, then please put them in for us. We will answer them. Uh, we have some leftover questions that were sent over for our Luis Elizondo listener question show. Luis is definitely coming back onto the show um, to do his part two follow-up. But for now, we're going to go through some of the questions that, being blunt, we didn't think there was any point of asking Lou because he won't answer them. And we all know we're sick of the NDA stuff and you know a vague answer. So let's speculate, okay? So the first one, I'll give a shout out to Nathan from Calling All Beings, who is one of my favorite listeners. Um, he is going to replace Dan one day. I've always told Dan this. Nathan's cheaper. He's the co-host over <laughs> on Calling All Beings, who right now are interviewing Michael Matalini. So don't change that channel. Go and watch that after this. Um, but that's with uh, DJ San Marco as well. Uh, Nathan uh, is a great, great guy and has some phenomenal questions, the ways of wording and phrasing and everything as well. Um, he had asked if he could ask Lou a question. He would want to know. And Dan, have a listen because I want your answer on this, what you think. In Lou's opinion, if we are dealing with an intelligence which we know or suspect has capabilities we do not possess, see slide nine, what are some of the signs or behaviours we would be looking for from it which would increase or establish trust that whatever it presents to us as fact is indeed fact, just that and not some sort of misdirection or falsehood? In short, how do we trust the phenomenon? It's a really good question. A really I good question. So. Um, I, I was listening to Bledsoe said so. Uh, the other day it was ryan bledsoe's podcast um and the guys were talking through chris bledsoe's regression it was super interesting uh we, we've heard chunks of it before uh we we know chris's story uh, richard dolan has a great series of interviews with chris um and there was a lot of it where you, you know he, he met figures that were very what people would call love and light i guess um and I, I kind of had that thought then. I thought, you, you know, what what if the love and light is just, and we discussed it maybe last week where we were talking about insects that kind of disarm through frequency of their beaten wings. Uh, they mm -hmm. confuse their prey. What if it's something like that? What 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 if it is just a you know 
a lie, but not necessarily a lie. What just a natural ability that kind of makes that happen, you know? Um, I, I like know, that. I don't know you, how you, mentioned, you mentioned the fish that has the light on the end of its head. Yes. Um, most famously from Finding Nemo. Yeah. Where the you see the little shiny thing and you chase about the shiny thing in the darkness and oh look at the light that's really cute and it's interesting and we 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 go after it and then on the end of the light that you can't see in the darkness is this huge scary fish this huge scary yeah. monster this entity behind it that had an ulterior motive and showed you the shiny light but when you get there did you actually want to see what was behind the light anglerfish yeah that's the one I was going to say anglerfish but yeah anglerfish well, fish works too. Lantern fish, yeah, the Finding Nemo fish with the big light. That's <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that for me is, and I think you you hear things like dark forest theory and such as well, and you wonder are there entities and beings out there that are presenting one image, but on the other side of it, and again, I, we always have to go back to this, but it's a little bit of that threat narrative because you don't know what's being presented in front of you. You you can't guarantee with so little being known about the subject that it's it's true and do you know what if he's still here Lou, Lou, Lou Jimenez mentioned the other day in a, in a conversation and he made the point uh, and I, I, I agreed and disagreed with different aspects of the whole conversation people had about the one source of evidence and he talked about testimony and testimony isn't enough for evidence and it goes back to why experiencers uh, and we've done the experiencer shows recently and I've just watched a multidimensional documentary, which we'll get to reviewing at some point. It, it's it's a fascinating story. There's some harrowing stories. There's some really interesting stories. There's some amazing ideas that come from these. But just because someone comes out and says, I've had this experience, is not enough to take that into, into the mainstream or is enough to run full throttle with that conversation you, you need more than that and again sean cahill last year we done our um christmas show which was the uh, room 101 special and sean cahill said himself he would bin only having one source of evidence because you need corroborating data whatever that may be i suppose we'd be looking at the five or six observables now wouldn't we and just someone having that story isn't enough just someone having that that picture or video isn't enough anymore because we're getting that and people need more and i think that's for me you know part of that question from rk44 there when do you think the critical threshold will be reached uh, when the ufo topic becomes mainstream and everyday news i think it's going to be when we've got more data from different sources like the james webb telescope if that can spot something in an atmosphere when you can go and chase after it you know or if we can you know, we've heard about this this device or instrument that can measure UAP that Lou uh, Elizondo has alluded to here in the U, uh, not in the UK, on, on this planet, that potentially there's a way we can detect these. He's not came out and said exactly what that is yet. But again, if we could find that out and we can actually detect these uh, objects and something we're going to come to in one of these other questions, I think that could be really interesting. And that's when it becomes mainstream that we potentially are seeing these things regularly. And something that all mainstream scientists want is that repeatability and provability. When we can start baiting these objects, if indeed baiting is the right word, then again, I go back to that anglerfish analogy. We're, we're baiting the light and it's, oh yeah, look what we've pulled out the water. Yeah, but we heard about the Tic Tac, but we also heard there was something huge underneath the water. that The Tic Tac was buzzing about. Are you going to start pulling other things out of the water that we don't necessarily want, which is a, uh, 
a scary thought and it's all goes back to threat and, and everything else as well so so yeah I've, I've ranted on a bit there but it's a really interesting an idea and subject to be fair no, um, i like it and and i like the i like the water analogy because <clears throat> we are about to step foot into this big pool you know um if our scientists are correct and we can warp space time in the ways that we we seem to think we can um and the math seems to say it's possible then there's going to be suddenly a lot more species out there and around us than we knew about. So we really are jumping into the the deep end of a pool and we best have our wits about us when we do. Uh, Better safe than sorry, I believe is the saying. (laughs) Yeah, and there's Jazz making the point, even with data, how can you interpret the intentions and motivations of a totally alien intelligence? You can't. Again, we've seen the, the old V TV series where you end up living with another alien species on this planet and there's hybridization but it turns out they had ulterior motives and there was something you know nefarious behind it you, you don't know it's one of those things i think time will tell but do they even experience that time the same way we do so did, did you it's... ever watch um annihilation it was a film with natalie portman um where basically some kind of alien thing had crashed on the planet and there were teams being sent in and it was called the shimmer and the way that we think of aliens in films um, was that Annihilation was nothing like that. And it kind of presented the question of what if they came here and they were just informed that we truly could not get our heads around. It was yeah. just something that we just couldn't understand, no matter how hard we tried ever. And it, it just makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, question from Silly Humans. Um, given what you've just said, Dan, silly humans. Um, <laughs> will the Gillibrand's amendment truly force the IC or intelligence community to fully respond to ASRO or ASRO's requests? For instance, will it compel uh, special access programs and waived programs to comply or still say ASRO doesn't have a need to know? I would jump straight in with this, and I know people far more qualified than me would, would be able to talk about it at length, but there's still that level of just because they have to doesn't mean they will. And uh, that's what I would answer that one. You're, Dan, what you're not myself? wrong, but we have to get the language into law that holds them to accountability. If we can't point at something and say, look, you're breaking the law by doing this, then we don't have a leg to stand on. And this is the platform we're giving ourselves with this. You know, some people arguing that it's not enough. And I say it's a damn good start. Um, yeah. You, you know, they, they might not give it up, but if according to the letter of US law, they are breaking the law then it becomes a very different conversation and it's something that you know they can they actually have a means to start prying open yeah um nigel a question just for fun what if this technology is ours but it can't by its nature be weaponized um, like the process of propulsion negates the use of weapons what if the technology is ours nigel is that right am i reading that wrong dan what if this, uh, but it can't by its nature be weaponized that that's interesting i wonder i mean humans are very inventive we we weaponize almost everything we find you know uh just watch a group oh, of kids in the park so, you, you know they'll they'll find weapons yeah. on the ground <laughs> let let me make the point and this is where i look at something like the tic tac if that was chinese or russian or u.s technology it's it's end game in the sense that if you have a tic tac that can fly at the speeds it can fly at all you would have to do is load it with some nuclear warheads and you could literally have a tic-tac over Beijing 
or over Moscow or oh, whatever. It's I understand the question. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then you could weaponize it. So yes, the propulsion, but all you would have to do is load it with some nuclear material and there would that would be a huge threat to those other nations. And I think that's when you talk about the race for this technology. And that's absolutely why China, Russia, the US, everyone else would want it, unfortunately. But that's why I don't think it's 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 US, Russia, or China. I don't think it's human. It's not our technology, because for me that would be an end game. Because once you've got that, it's it's you can't fight against that, can you? No, and and it it's kind of sweet that you think it needs nukes. Um, <laughs> it, it could just crash into the ground. You you know a, a tiny meteorite going at certain speed or i should say any material going fast enough can can leave a hell of a crater um and the tic tac would be no exception to that and i'm not even getting to what it would do with warp in space time you know if there was a way that it controls the energy output from how it does that and it just kind of dumped that energy as a weapon then you know you you'd be looking at you could probably take out a planet with that to be honest uh earth could, would definitely disappear um so yeah there's a whole i mean there you go i've just invented a bunch of weaponized ways to weaponize the tic tac (laughs) there's another interesting follow-on from carl um hi carl again supporter of the podcast good to have you um if gravity modification technology is consequentially associated with time modulation i'm really proud of myself i know what he means is that a good enough reason to suppress the technology in physics for me yes we discussed this a while ago dan i think on one of the what what if episodes talking about if we got disclosure today everyone assumes that tomorrow we're going to have flying cars and we won't need aircraft anymore or fossil fuels it would take a long time to replicate or try and replicate some of these technologies yeah but then it's the idea of okay we drive about in cars and buses and trucks and lorries but like carl says can we then upgrade those to having whatever propulsion systems these may have that we are all of a sudden flying about in the skies like the Jetsons, because I just don't see us suddenly having that leaping technology. It it would be interesting to see what people did with it. They, this is kind of why I one of the first things I'd do if I met an alien species who had been watching us. Um, I'd love to know our true history of things, because the first person to find this kind of technology has a choice. If you can mess with space-time, you can go back in time. And if they can go back in time, they can just loop themselves and make what they've made better every single time. So while, you know, the rest of us are just going about our days, this person just lives in kind of a technology lab bubble, so to speak. Um, and, you know, they essentially have infinite time to do what they want to do in that case. So all, all bets are off, really. And you know, I, I say that's a choice that the first person has to make, but the second person to find it has to make that choice as well. And I, I just wonder, you know, all the species that come across this technology, how do they choose to use it? You know, are they going to go help save planets or are they going to go really smoothly take over planets without anybody knowing about it? You know, we are into our last 10 minutes, Dan. This has flown by, uh, and we've it got really has. questions to get through. Um, so let's try and get through some of these or as many as we can. It's um, since, since one of it, it's our first live as well. We we have a few thank yous to say. We have G West uh, give a five dollar donation, um, super chat, um, and Luis Jimenez, uh, twenty dollars earlier, and Jazz Shaw, twenty five dollars earlier. Um, amazing, thank you. Jazz, Jazz has actually been kind enough 
to donate something to the raffle that I'm super excited to share soon, and we'll, it's we amazing. Will finish, we will finish talking about the raffle on that, um, but let's get through these questions. So, uh, Pontificator, given an ET, can manufacture designer bodies for different tasks, and the same is true of their craft. Can we trust anything we measure and observe? Dan? I mean... <laughs> They, it's that question from before, isn't it, though? Again, how can you trust an alien intelligence like Jazz? You can't because you wouldn't know. Re, I, I'd recommend the person that asked this read the three-body problem because the alien species in that, in particular, messes with the physics on Earth around us so that we can't progress our technology. Um, I won't say much more, but yeah, go go read it. It's an interesting question based on that book. I'm showing you this as if it's like mines to sell, you know, like it's that's just my <laughs> copy. You're not having that. It's um, the way it is. Yeah, I still need to uh, read it at some point. Um, actually, there's a really interesting bookmark, Dan. Um, if you remember when we were in London, there's something I've got in there that I'm using as a bookmark. So I better keep that inside if you oh, yeah. if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do, um, yes. yes. Um, so, of course, uh, it can be weaponized yet. Uh, G West again thank you for that uh, question for Elizondo in his interview on TO he mentioned the moon being a potential place for an alien artifact was that a breadcrumb or a hint I, I've i got to think that given what Lou was exposed to um, I think there's probably a lot of stuff that Lou doesn't know that people would assume he does but then there's probably a lot of stuff he does know that he just doesn't get asked about and doesn't talk about because it's stuff we don't even think or comprehend potentially um, yeah, I, I sure. think I, I think Lou, when he's talking about the moon, he's he's doing that for a reason. That that's just my opinion. I, I mean, Lou, Lou is acutely aware of some of the mysteries of the universe. Uh, in in London, I spoke to him about fast radio bursts, uh, which was interesting. Uh, my my theory was, and it got shot down. So you know, uh, I don't mind pouring out there. My my theory was that to to ask whether the signs of a fast radio burst that we were seeing could be signs of a propulsion system that we don't understand yet um and it, it was a big fat no but it's always worth asking the questions and it was an area that i didn't think i'd ever discuss with luis elizondo um question we've kind of touched on but we can clear up the answer how do, how deep do we think the rabbit hole goes what's the truth of what the u.s government knows and what the extent of the phenomena is i reckon they know a lot less than people presume but they've got a good idea I think they can sit down with a bullet-pointed list and go, well, we think this, we think this, we don't know this, we we, we are assuming this, and it's like we, we might have an idea where they're from, we might have an idea where what how some of the craft work, we probably have some of the craft, or they have some of the craft, um, but I reckon there's aspects of it that they are totally clueless on, that they yeah. genuinely don't have an idea of, and that's one of the big reasons it's so secretive and has been so secretive for 75 years yeah i agree the, no no defense department is going to go in front of the the people and say that they they don't know they their job is to know because it enables them to, to protect the country and you know to protect the people who are doing that job um so yeah there, there's no way in hell that anyone from the government is just going to stand in front of people and say we don't know what this is about this paradigm changing thing um you know, I, I'm part of me believes that that that's why it was kind of put to the side, um, and that when they do have kind of a tangible explanation for what is going on, we will hear it. 
Yeah, Jazz, again, thank you for that. Uh, Jazz said, we've not been particularly responsible with our own advances in technology. What would we do with alien technology? Would it def be def definitely positive thoughts? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think it's that whole thing about people. I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I remember reading an article that when the PlayStation 2 first came out, it may have been nonsense, but they were so powerful that Saddam Hussein had bought 40,000 of them to build a supercomputer in Iraq. Now, I imagine I that, I remember that, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how true that was or not, but that just goes to show you what people are like. Same with the idea that all our phones' batteries could be small nuclear-powered devices and we would never have to charge them, but people would blow them up and it would cause a lot of, of issues. So it's, people can't be trusted, unfortunately. And I think we can see, without having to go into detail, the state of the world in 2021 uh, and going forward that we're not in the greatest place to be be dealing with anything fantastic like that um I, I don't think it would be positive at all no dan yeah i, I agree if, if apple came out tomorrow with the tic tac and they were like hey it's ours look how smooth it is and white it's it's see you should have known um i i think there would be a lot of people just <laughs> slamming themselves into quasars and black holes by accident and not knowing what they were doing and just using it for you know awful things we, we'd have a new frontier race on planets and fight over the planet it would just be yeah, so slow and steady. Um, similar communities. What is your best guess of the disclosure timeline, key milestones, and end game? Right. So over the last few months, I've had the idea that with the Galileo project and obviously James Webb going up, all that kind of stuff, I think the most likely thing will be a slow confirmation. I think that the government will kind of learn alongside us of the existence of other beings. I think what we might get realistically is Galileo Project or something like the James Webb or a satellite gets an image of something which is pretty definitive of a craft that isn't ours, and that gets an official scientific announcement. Here, Here's an object we've picked up. Here it's pretty clear this is not our technology. And I think you would have Russia and China potentially come out and say, yep, it's not ours either. But from there, we might have a few years of nothing where we we say this is why we have to investigate it. At that point, you get mainstream science on the topic. That might be one of the points as well. Mainstream journalism picks this up on a regular basis when it's a serious scientific endeavor and potentially unite the planet a little bit. And what is out there? There's something else. We've got a picture but we need to try and find where it's from, where it's came from, and maybe that gives us a bit of a slow burn. But when we get that, you might find it could be months or years that we get any kind of follow-up off the back of that as well. That's just something I've kind of thought might happen recently. What about yourself, Dan? Yeah, same. Uh, it, it reminds me of um, contact and how that happens. You know, we, we have the knowledge that we're not alone, and for years it just sits with us. Nothing happens. Um, but it changes the whole species. And I would agree that's what's going to happen. Sorry, Nigel. Nigel's asking for a timescale. So I will I will put this on record, right? I think in 2022, I won't get silly with predictions. I think we will get a video better than the three that we've had released so far. I think we'll get something out there from either Lou and Chris and those guys or whatever. But I think we'll get something else that allows us to get our teeth stuck into it a little bit. Um, Dan, any I've got to go wider and just say that I think by the time I'm six feet under, I'll know what this is. I mean, that could be like next week, you know. <laughs> yeah, assuming I live a long life. <laughs> yeah. 
Listen, folks, um, we uh, the 26-minute the video, Adrian, I think you mean the 23-minute video, unless you know about one that's three minutes longer. Um, but yeah, I don't think we get the 23-minute video, no, um, for various different reasons. But um, yeah, listen, that that's all for this week. Um, we'll, we'll see if we can do this again live next week because it's been a lot of fun live. Yeah, it's it great fun. having the interaction. Thank you, everyone. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate it. Listen, folks, again, if you can... Uh, Make sure you sign up to our YouTube channel, uh, That UFO Podcast. Make sure that you are liking, subscribing. If you haven't left us a review, please do, especially if you're on the Apple platform. You've got um, the YouTube channel membership where you get early access to videos. The full John Ramirez part two is up there as well now on YouTube, as well as Patreon, Apple, Spotify Premium, and all that kind of stuff as well. But as ever, just listening, just being here, just sending us an email. Um, all the information's been scrolling down the bottom is greatly appreciated. And in the final minute, Dan, um, what have you got on this week? Or what do you want to promote the raffle potentially quickly? Yeah, the raffle. Uh, the, the link was posted a little bit earlier, but the link is go.rallyup.com forward slash truth. Um, you can win the highest bidder can win. Uh, sorry, the person who donates the most will get a thank you call personally from Luis Elizondo. Um, and the person who wins the raffle, which is a random draw, um, will get a signed truth poster uh, from Lou himself. Yeah, and it all goes to a good cause, to, to two charities, not us. We're not keeping the money. It'll, it'll go to charities as well. So, yeah, thank you very much. But really much uh, look forward to that. We'll we'll keep, I think, do you know what? Will we say right now, Dan, that yes, we will do another live next, next yeah. Friday? Why yeah. not? We'll be back here. So any suggestions, let us know. We've got a ton of things in the bank as well. So um, we'll be back here live next week. And it'd be great to see a lot of you there as well. And I've even got to use most of my questions that I had put down. So um, that's right. We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I'd rather speak to people in the chat as well. So listen, uh, that is all from us. I'm probably going to get kicked off now. So Dan, thank you for your time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yep. And thank you to KGRA for hosting us. And again, to everyone in the chat as well. See you next week, folks. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac, and not quite a saucer. More like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. 